Hello, I'm Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of RackN and your host for the Cloud 2030 podcast. This episode continues our exploration of what is innovation. Specifically, we drill into the three horizons model for creating growth and value. We spend a lot of time talking about how companies innovate using that model, what it means, what are examples of, of, of how it means in market. And then we get to a point where we're still looking for how does innovation, how does that idea, how does that spark take place? So we will bridge you uh, further down the innovation learning process in this meeting. Uh, and I know you'll enjoy the conversation. Did you guys talk about innovation last week? I, I just wasn't able to join. We, we did not. We oh. talked. <laughs> we got distracted by um, Mark Andreessen's screed. Uh, 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 I still think it's the right term for it. Um, mm-hmm. And so we talked. We talked around. It, it, we did talk about innovation, but we pushed the innovation talk to today. So we're, we 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 talked about uh, innovation in the frame of how sort of this techno optimist innovation is going to solve every problem, um, and that brought us back to um, and I can dive into it if, if y'all are ready. I think it'd be fun. Um, we wanted to start this time. We'd gotten to the three horizons model, so we wanted to talk about innovation in more pragmatic terms. So three horizons model. Um, the other things I have notes in here to talk about are experiment experimental experimentation, the fallacy of fail fast. We had a lot of interesting points. Um, what is disruption and how people often mischaracterize disruption? And then um I think this is related to the three horizons model, but uh really understanding incremental innovation versus transformational innovation and how we often confuse incremental for trans transformational. Um, that was, those are my, my starting point notes. Um, I, Rich, I, I'm not as familiar with the three horizons model. So Rich or Joanne, did you want to yep. frame for us? Thank you. Mm-hmm. Rich, you want to start or you want me to start? Um, well, I'd like to kind of throw in a caveat. Um, cool. When I, Encounter first when I first encountered the three horizons model, it was generally not discussed in terms of innovation, and I think that has an innovation strategy. It's a growth strategy framework that McKinsey put in in place, not an innovation. And and one of the things that makes it kind of pretty clear from the outset is if you look at the if you look at the axes of you know of a three horizon model they you know they talk about um you know the time great but they they're literally talking about sales on the you know on the um on the y-axis we're talking about oh, okay. money and growth so but 
I, I now there's there's every reason to think that one of the chief reasons to embrace innovation and embrace a you know a time so and a strategy for innovation that respects different time periods is in fact you know revenue and sales and so forth but i guess i i would like to kind of make sure that we're we're clear about that and can i interrupt for a second can you guys see my screen yes okay that's the three horizons model yes and with okay i i just put it up there because i thought people might have a better time with this with a visualization Mm-hmm. I appreciate and that. And where you're talking about sales, Rich, I also go for value, right? We adapt this because growth is a value generating thing for any corporation. And in many cases, the innovation, because it's a growth strategy in principle, the innovations lead to, should lead to expansion or growth in customer base or growth in revenue, those kinds of growth metrics, which are easier to measure because in some cases, innovation is not so easy to measure in terms of hard dollars for a a period of time. Even though the first horizon for modernization or whatever, you know, is shorter term, you have a short term, a medium term and a long term. Right. The third being the long term. Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt your flow. Go ahead. No, I, I think that all of that is is reasonable. And if you want to apply this three horizon, well, I don't know exactly what to call it, but if you want to apply the three horizon model or mindset to value rather than revenues or sales in this in the case that I think that's that's fine just recognize that um it's its origins and the way it has been used by a lot of folks is straight on about money it's straight on yeah. about um right. revenues so just be be a little cautious here that was really more my point than anything. I completely buy into the fact that this is applicable and could be used in to discuss innovation and the value that comes from innovation. Happy to happy to continue on that on that note. I yeah. I go ahead, Rob. Sorry. No, no, I'm trying to I'm trying to understand. This I think it's it is really useful in the term. Uh, you know, I think we're we're interested in both. You know, sort of the human things that change human outcomes, but also um, how they get monetized. Um, and because and I think that's in from the 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 techno optimist point of view, I I I think that those were were happily commingled. Um, so I I don't I don't I think. For the way we discuss technology is useful. The thing I'm I'm seeing with these horizons is it feels reversed of what I would was expecting. And maybe this is for how how companies innovate or how somebody in a current business would innovate versus a startup who 
you know, has is is exploring an idea that they, you know, that that isn't been done before. Um, well, so, okay. Know. So from from that point of view, I just changed the slide because this is the adopted version. It does still say sales, but it goes with another slide that we have on value. But if you look at um, the first horizon, it may be an existing model with a process innovation. So startups that you know, I, I'm making another mousetrap, but it's a better mousetrap because my process of choosing the wood or choosing the trap or, you know, making it more eco-friendly or or more humane, my process to get to accomplishing the goal is what's changed. That's my innovation. Okay. Um, another one is, if you look at the second one, new opportunities by a business model innovation. I'm charging less or I'm charging more but I'm giving you more information based in data, right? So my product is now product as a service. Oh. Or I'm using a new distribution model. Right, right. Um, I'm doing channel sales where I never did before. Yeah. And then the third one, I'm looking for the new disruptive business model. I'm searching for it, but I'm creating new capabilities uh, new uh, revenue streams to take advantage of or to respond to disruptive opportunities. Now, my question mark at the bottom of, of that, you know, disruptive opportunities is usually we ask, what do you consider of a client? What do you consider a disruptive opportunity? Because it may be very different to different companies. Disruption mm -hmm. can be, uh, I'm a, an AI startup and I'm coming up with a, way to use RAG, R-A-G, to pare yeah. down the large language model to uh, iterations of small language models, right? Based on specific purpose, specific goals, et cetera. I don't want to get ahead of the discussion, but basically that's where you get into this, and Rich may have a different uh, view of this, the definition of what is truly disruptive. Quick question, uh, yeah. Joanne. When we start talking about the time horizon here, yeah. are you talking about when it has app when it has when it is actually generating value, the length of time it takes to generate value and that it's accretive at some further point in time what what the okay the so, is, is this is this elapsed time is it or is it the time that you're willing to wait until it actually generates value because if you look at the original discussion of the the three horizon model yeah they are talking about the time it takes for some activity to have a measurable impact. Okay, and so here's where, and it might be a little weedy, but revenue value adds to revenue growth long before you get to the third phase of the horizon. So for example, let's say I do something and I immediately create value in one form or another. 
I can actually use value-based metrics to translate that to hard dollars. So my time factor is more adaptive and flexible to meet the needs of the organization. Whereas without using value and solely on sales, I may have created a tremendous amount of value, but not actually realized or booked sales in a quarter in the period of time under the short, the medium, or the long-term horizon. And that's part of why, you know, when I discuss this with originators at McKinsey and other folks, we looked at adapting it and using an innovator's matrix as the second half of the three horizons to get over that hurdle because value can be translated in different ways, right? Uh, Rob, in product-led growth, your increasing awareness adds value to your brand, may start adding value to your revenue stream, but not fully actualizing it in the time period allotted. So that's why we don't use sales, we use value. Because in my mind, if it takes six months to close a, a new deal, let's say, right. or to realize any profit, you have created value in other ways, not only internally, but externally in your growth, because you have more awareness and more recognition of your product and its place and position in the market. Does that make sense it, to you? It, it does. I, it's, it's very, to me, I guess the thing that's, it, it, is very based on having a product um, or having an idea already that this is the way I'm, I'm hearing it. And then the, you know, I'm, the graph makes me assume that there's, you know, you, you need to step through the, these three horizons, you know, to build an innovative product. But I guess when I've thought of, of, you know, the, you know, innovative products show up, you know, and and this is maybe the part of what we're talking about, incremental versus something that's actually disruptive and creates a paradigm shift in how people think about it. This this strikes me as incremental innovation where you've 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 got, all right, I've got a product. I feel like I could go into more of the market, and these are steps I'm gonna go through to 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 do that work. Um, well, the one thing that I didn't hear you say okay. in how you're interpreting this is to Richard's point at the outset, this is designed as a growth strategy. So even mm, if it's zero okay. and you enter the market, you're growing. An innovation, you're growing from zero to one or zero to two, right? With a minimal viable product or even an idea. If you close investment off of an idea before you've even built, built an MVP, that's growth. So that's really okay. the crux of where this stems from, is that it's a growth strategy. So the assumption is that innovation's value is for for a company's growth, not innovation for innovation's sake or? Correct. Okay. Because you can innovate organizational structure, you can innovate process, you can innovate technology, even as a technology company. But you're creating those values and those values can be translated into hard dollars long before a sale actually takes place in my view. And we've proven it many times over because it, Hmm. if it gets you your first customer, 
That's growth. Right. Does that make sense? It, it it does. Do you is part of needing to do this, you know, helping to explain the the product or the innovation? Because sometimes what I what I feel like <laughs> um I've been on both sides of this. Somebody has what they consider this, you know, really interesting, innovative idea, but they can't explain it sufficiently. This is sort of where I, I feel like you're 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 talking. And and if you can't explain it, you can't, it doesn't matter what it is. You have to be able to, you know, take it through these phases so people understand what what they're what what that idea is. Because there's a ton of, of ideas that to the inventor seem very innovative, disruptive, um, and then don't make sense or, you know, end up, you know, being too disruptive, too, too transformative. Um, or needlessly, actually, or even or needlessly transformative. <laughs> I have an example in mind, but uh, maybe I'll keep it to myself. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I can see where you're going with this. I let me let me try something a little bit different because when I've considered three horizon models um or the the moral equivalent of three horizon models with respect to innovation it's it's been usually that um horizon one the the what's usually considered one to three years most organizations implement a parade of horizon one changes and they tend to be addressing short term shorter term um, objectives and growth simply because they need a result earlier it's a function of public companies living on the you know the quarterly results and so forth. Um, but it's not one idea. It is uh, uh, thank you, because this is gonna this is gonna come now, in. Now this is so, this is more what I was thinking. Thank you. What what I would say is then the kind of the the issue is all right, am I willing to invest in and carry carry out the required effort, put in the right resources, people, skills, money, so forth, for something that I I know at the outset is going to be a two to five year time horizon. Right. And there are those things where I'm going to put something in place that's going to be a five to 10, 12 year. And let me tell you where this became so, so obvious to me. And it was when <laughs> modern data stack meant, met the pharmaceutical industry. Okay. Modern data stack 
people were putting incredible amounts of innovation starting at about uh, 2017, 2016, adding new, new features, functions, going in, placing uh, a lot of effort on, you know, early return, fast turnaround, getting an early look at what seemed to be working closer to the, you know, fail, fail early, fail fast. If it's not going to work, know about it soon, throw it out. Same time, you've got pharmaceutical companies who are building you know, next generation pharmaceuticals, therapeutics, and so forth, that at the outset, they know it's going to be a, you know, a decade before it sees the light of day. Mm -hmm. And they invest differently. They operate quite differently about what they think about is innovative and how they address it. And so I, I'd like to kind of say that in my experience and in the way I've seen the horizons used most effectively, I would say we already adopt, well, I'll tell you the best Horizon 2 example of innovation is Steve Jobs and the iPod moving to the iPhone. They didn't know for sure. I mean, Jobs was was you know willing to put a lot of effort and into it, but it was years in the making. It's the iPhone in particular, and they also did not try to define everything up front. They didn't know, for example, that people were going to want to have maps on their phone. I remember seeing that. The uh, the side by side uh, uh, discussion between where uh, uh, Bill Gates and and Jobs were on the same stage, and they were talking about mobile, and you know Gates was was saying, well, the reason Windows Mobile didn't make it is because you know we were distracted by the DOJ and so forth. I don't think I <laughs> quite buy that. Uh, you know, they they were they were jamming everything. They said this is how it's going to be. And the innovative aspect here was we're leaving enough room to learn from the early results and the early offerings to be capable of putting in putting in place something that is going to be five years. To getting to get there, and when we get there, we're going to continue to foster innovation, whether it's short horizon or longer horizon, by the way we adopt, by by what we build and how we build it. That's, That's why I, I'm okay. I, I understand what you're what you're saying, Joanne, and I understand how this is useful for a product or a product line, but I I think there's a different cut at this. Yeah, there, there are many different cuts at it. You know, I mean, I've seen it, KPMG's model is different than our model. Uh, our model is different than, you know, um, uh, Bain's. 
they've all been adapted and adopted and adapted in slightly different ways. The difference that we have is that we've looked at a number of different, not only Horizon Lake models, but how they can be measured better and faster. Because if you wait to use a sales metric, you take all of that value that may have been, you know, accumulated over a period of time. And no argument. No argument there about the, the metric. Not at all. Yeah. Um, the other thing is also that I'm not a believer in fail fast. Ah, that's what I want to talk about. Okay. Um, and the reason I'm not a believer in fail fast is because the pace of change of business and the pace of change of technological change meaning we're producing a lot more technology a lot faster and the life cycle is, you know, whether it's planned obsolescence or not, if you think about it, you get a new model of cell phone every four weeks. Previously, it was every six weeks. With PCs, it was like maybe two or three different models of variations on the theme every time a new one was released. Now, when you look at uh, whether it's, tools for chat GTP or whatever, the life cycle of them and the trajectory of them coming into the market is 300 come out every single day. There's more than 2,044 at last count by CB Insight, which was a month and a half ago of AI startups that emerged in less than a year. So, Half of them will drop off because they're ineffective tools and the changes that, you know, OpenAI itself will make, you know, will will result in something. But irrespective of that, I don't believe in fail fast because sometimes one more quarter is all you need to be successful. Oh, interesting. So do you think fail fast is a problem because ideas need more baking time to be understood or hmm. um, I think there's two parts to it. One is the okay. MVP is a fallacy. I don't think you can really go to market with a half quarter baked product and expect to succeed and get traction. I have a story and about that. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure you do. And the other part of that is because I believe that the timelines that are given between, let's say, awareness and interest or interest and, you know, uh, uh, the next step of the customer's journey towards buying is misassociated based on the product type. Think about yes. the longer the yes. longer cycles for less sexy technology than Gen AI. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, which is where the growth of small models is going to come into play in a big way next year. So I, you know, that that's an aside, but irrespective, that's why I think fail fast is a fallacy because I've seen too many minimal, minimum viable products that are so, so much closer to cocktail napkin discussions than actual viable products you could take (laughs) into a market then the, I can count. The, the problem well, that, that ends sounds, up being viable, <laughs> the word viable in this definition. Go ahead, Klaus. Yeah, that, that, that to me sounds like it's more 
that you're seeing the abuse of what an MVP is supposed to be than actual MVPs. So it, I mean, I, I, I see, I, I approaching this mostly from an, an internal product perspective. So like my, my view is a bit tinted on this, but, uh, I mean, when, when you hear a story about, about an MVP being just like a short of a, of a cocktail napkin idea, uh, that to me screams of a, a failure to do proper requirement specification. Um, when when I hear a story about uh, fail fast uh, requiring like being sh- just short of one more iteration to to become um, to become a, a su- success story, that that to me, like I read that as n- not as fail fast, but as not having considered. Um, Again, all, all of the all of the metrics necessary to to succeed something. So again, mm-hmm. from an internal product perspective, fail fast is it's not intended to be. Let's try this. Oh, it doesn't work. Let's abandon the idea entirely. Fail fast is supposed to be okay. I I have two options A and B. I'll try A. If I cannot get to the MVP with A, mm-hmm. I will try B. Or I will pivot over to B. So. I- what what you're I mean I'm I'm thinking about especially like some of the famous examples what what we're I think what the market confuses is MVPs fail fast and pathfinding because and the, this is I, this is actually interesting because I can tie this back to the three horizons model on mm-hmm. on this actually with with this as an example because right an MVPs like might work for a service where you can hide the complexity in the background while you mechanical turk the service and see if people are interested in the service from a product perspective giving somebody a partially working car or right doesn't isn't so good or a partially working phone but what rich was describing with apple where they did you know they did an ipod first to prove you know learn the techniques learn the technology that was you know what you're describing as pathfinding not mvps they they didn't expect the ipod to be the phone but they knew they didn't know enough and this is back to the three horizons model where you're like okay our first horizon is understanding how to manufacture how to how to how do people interact with a device like this how to, is there a market for something and they they chose music like Amazon chose books, right? Books were, Bezos started Amazon expecting to build a, you know, um, you know, an everything store, but he chose books. This is what I've I heard as a lore. Um, he chose books because they they had no inventory cost, right? They they had no no shelf life, so you could you could build a better, and they they were sh- very shippable. They didn't get damaged in transit. There's there's a whole bunch of things that made books. As a starting article in your as a store, very well suited to the internet from a from a from a business model. Um, and sure, actually, because they could be drop shipped, right? And they they had book rates. There was discount shipping. Yep. Right. You could inventory them centrally, and you you could buy a whole bunch of books that you know weren't had a long tail on them without worrying that that long tail they were going to um, you know, um, go bad. <laughs> so to speak, right? Unless I guess there's termites in the books in the warehouse, but 
Um, even even I'm thinking about like what SpaceX has done towards a vision of having you know big rockets that can lift heavy loads. They started from these pathfinders that were just hopping, right? Then they got to a you know a commercial rocket for satellites and human and, and minimal what what now would I would say is minimal human lift, but is you know uh, space capsules. And then, you know, but they've been incrementally building the expertise. Um, and that's what it sounds like in the Three Horizons model. I was very focused on the product. What you were what you were explaining and I was missing is the growth and the learning mod that goes behind that model. Instead of trying to jump to, hey, here's a really innovative product. Let's push it out in the market. What you're looking for is, a, hey, let's expect this to go in phases and learn as we go. Is that? It is. It is to it. To a great degree, it is kind of a combination of Pathfinder and, uh, you know, MVP, so to speak. But it is more structured, I guess, is the best way to describe it. Because you have measurable value and measurable money that is put to each horizon. And you're building, even if you change tax in the second horizon, right? Because because you now have market feedback, even in the most minute of ways. You don't necessarily go back to the first horizon because you're building on top of what you've already learned, right? right? So you're still continuing to grow. You're still continuing to, to create value for you, your customers, your suppliers, and you're still continuing down a path of in, innovation. I think that... Quick question. Yeah. And let me ask because I think it calls out the distinction. Are you talking about an innovation or an effort that is from its outset meant to have an extended lifetime and impact on the company, on the organization that's innovating? Or are you talking about innovations with a discrete or at least a um the image of i need an innovation that takes care of a pain point i have now no it's two the different former. things yeah. they both can be innovations but they're of a different they're of a different breed they're a different they're 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 a um there's an intention about the two of them that's quite distinct. I agree. And so let okay. me put and, it in and, a very simple And so are you, are you limiting yourself to those innovations which from the outset are meant to change the nature of my product, my organization, whatever the, the impact zone is, over you know, at from the outset, I'm looking for something that will have a truly transformational um, impact mm. over a, an extended length of time because they're they're absolutely two different things. I agree, and so my response to you is: I'm not limiting to one or the other, but let me put it this way: so growth is my strategic outcome. 
that's my that's my purpose is okay. to grow how i get there can be a combination of inventive innovative uh, a new best practice it can be immature and going to mature over a longer time horizon but that that specific innovation is the how to the purpose of of growth how am i going to grow i can be innovative in any number of ways huh. does, so short term medium term and long term growth okay is but, being propelled by innovation is growth but it required? is effectively but you are saying that this is almost by genetics this is a growth strategy not an innovation strategy correct is Hallelujah. okay because i have that on another slide rich but but does, does why, am I, have a why am i not surprised it? does innovation have to be a growth strategy well if you want to do a three horizons model the purpose of it is growth I, I, let me go. I want to take a step out of the three horizons model and ask the question is, is innovation does, does, do we think innovation translates into growth? I mean, and, and I, I, I go ahead. I do. That was the, that was what I was curious about too, Rob. Huh. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it feels to me like there are innovations for societal good or innovations for uh, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I don't know. But, but yeah, this I is, think this it goes is... back to the value issue. Innovation right. innovation is supposed to have some sort of value. One. Yes. And 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 that might be growth or a certain kind of growth, but it may have some other some other um some other metric the, the thing yeah, well, that I, I find fascinating in this is i i think that it's actually a fair measure but we 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 think of growth sort of as economic when i first think of growth i think of it as this sort of you know three percent plus gdp grow you know growth 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 in what what i think we're actually talking about is if we have an innovative idea it will it could also grow by displacing the previous generation of idea or thing right so so it doesn't have to yeah. be that we yeah. grow electric cars grow by having more cars on the the road electric cars are going to grow by displacing the cars that are that are being bought right it's it's a and it's a sorry yeah. let me inter in interrupt you just for one second it's not just by displacing the cars that are on the road, it's by growing new new types of businesses and whole new industries, right? Electric chargers, uh, home charging, um, you know, like all the various piece parts that go into an ecosystem around EVs would be considered growth of different segments of a new industry. Right. And so when you when you were asking before about growth, I'm talking about growth in a way that it could be expand your market share, it could be expand your customer base, it could be segue into an ancillary part of the business, 
It could be take on a new industry. They're all growth. So innovation can be used to propel any kind of growth you want. And to yeah, Diana's I, point, it's, it could be societal growth. Yes. A question. And, and it's a, maybe this will make the difference. If I say I require, I require an, some, and it, I require an innovation or I'm, I'm investigating innovations that make it possible to substitute for some resource that is, is being depleted. It's, you know, I, I don't necessarily need more people. I don't need more power. I don't need whatever. I don't need more of anything. What I do need is a new means of providing the 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 minimum the level of sustaining whatever that we're talking about if it's you know changing from uh petroleum to to hydrogen fuel if it's um it doesn't to me necessarily mean growth by any of those issues it can be it can be an innovation that is addressing um, what is a an impending shortfall in resources. I agree, but I have a question back to you. Okay. No matter, even if you're replacing or displacing a resource, how does it not create growth in some form? Well, if if you're going to say anytime I I do something that is anti-entropic, that that's growth. Okay, <laughs> fine. Um, but um, but I, I don't think you have to. Yeah. I, I, the question is: Is growth? A, maybe the question here is: Is growth, in fact, the primary metric on which you're pursuing an innovate or the reason for pursuing an innovation, you're you're pursuing a particular set of innovations, not explicitly for growth as being the top priority. You may get growth in, you know, some other industry because of it. Yeah. So the harder the harder question that I would like to dig into, which we won't be able to do in the next nine minutes, is. Um, how do you go about innovation? Like what's the first, you know, maybe what's the definition for innovation? I think it's really interesting to go down a disruption path, but how do you foster innovation? How do you know that you've achieved it? How do you, you know, th those are the, those are the things well, that are super interesting to me. I think the why yeah. is important of the growth and, and where it fits in a model. I think this has been extremely useful um, I wish I could get my pause on these slides, but um, yeah, the I, I think the how you do it, how do you know that you've done it? Yeah, the dissemination of innovation is extremely important. It's, yeah. it's you know, the adoption of innovation, its propagation, incredibly important. You can you can come up with you know the great idea and the great solution, but if you can't 
disseminate the idea if you can't get it to be adopted for one reason or another. Um, yeah, there are any number of places where you can run into a tar pit and just this, stop. This, this to me, okay, is, so, I, I put so, it on the on the I put it on the schedule to come back to it. But I, I, I think that the more I'm listening to this, the more I'm I'm hearing growth as adoption or acceptance of of your innovation rather than rather than what i usually think of growth is did i sell more of the <laughs> that's my own filter and that's the problem right growth does not have to mean did you sell more this year than last year it it can mean did you know did you convince more people to accept your idea i mean we have we have that type of growth of of concepts ideas of yeah I, I, okay I, I guess my my point here is we're gonna we're gonna run into issues of semantics here. Um, when Joanne, when you say growth, yeah, what's it limit? What's it limited to, or what, or in what sense is it not limited? Hmm. I'm not sure I understand the question. Um, does growth does growth always get measured in some with some metric of value growth of x growth in with respect to uh yeah. yes yes you know, revenues or um profit or what have you yeah it does and it can be whether it's customer acquisition, brand management, production on an assembly line, um, revenue. I think okay. I already said so the metric, there's any number the of metric, metrics you use. The way you, so what you, if I, let me try to read something back to you because it may be where we're having a, a, a disconnect. If you choose the metric of value that's most relevant to knowing when to answer Diana's um, question. How do you know you've succeeded? How do you know you're still succeeding or perhaps no longer su succeeding? It's that metric that is always looking for, you know, up and to the right. Yeah. And pick it before do you pick it before you start or do you do you identify the metrics of growth, the appropriate metrics of growth as you're going through it? No, you do it you do it before you start. If growth is your objective and you're using uh, the horizons or you're using the other model and there was one well, I only we only have a couple of minutes, but there's one slide I just want to show you quickly. Um, you can assign the KPIs to it that either trend that are either EVA, meaning value based, or can be and can be directly translated into hard dollars, so revenue or cost, and use one or both. So if I want to grow my market share, how am I measuring that? By number of sales. Not necessarily. It could be by number of attendees at a webinar. Mm -hmm. 
market right? share is I, I you know, fix... number of customers, not your not your right, revenue right. or not exactly. your margins. Right. So I choose them as I'm determining that growth is my vision and my purpose. My how is innovation and how I'm going to measure all of those those two things together. I'm determining based on the function, the silo, or the domain. Internally, a function, an organizational function. Internally or externally, a silo, meaning a segment of a market. And externally, through the number of markets I'm now penetrating. That could be one way as well. Right, where I go for a core market and then ancillary on either side or even across an ecosystem. Do you ever There's, consider the, the change of metrics as you move from one horizon level to another? Yes. Yeah, because quantification is always a key. And sometimes the change in metrics is going from value-based to hard dollars. I now have a, a target, a, a number. You're you're making me, you're making me think of the advice for companies to make sure they are they have a mission as part right. of as part of what they're doing. Because in in a lot of ways, the the track of just <laughs> just saying I'm my 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 growth measure is strictly dollars. Um, I think you know, gives if, gives everybody pause. Whereas if, if you have a if, if the growth if the if you know you pick any growth model and it turns out it's the size of the you know the the garbage the garbage dump in the back of the back of the uh, <laughs> factory that's not an appropriate one I, <laughs> that my point i guess is um i can see how it would likely change how you might over time or even in advance say at a certain point when i'm hitting the second horizon or as i'm going into the third i might in very much have a different suite of metrics that i'm going to use and in in those cases yes growth is you know we can we can define the metrics however we like but we're looking for that consistency that up into yes. the right Absolutely. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, there are times when you have to change metrics just because situations have changed and it no longer makes sense to measure something one way and it makes more sense to measure it another. Um, but the reason I wanted to put this slide up just as an example is you asked me, Diana, you asked about innovation. Well, this is an idea evaluation matrix. And this starts to get mm. to how you measure because it's the ideas that that can be, you know, you can have 25 ideas and then you start paring them down as you go through the brainstorming, you know, exercise. This is how you measure the value of an idea to see whether or not this becomes the innovation that you're going to pursue. Oh, this is In, so good. I have a meeting that I have to go to right this second. I'm we'll so pick this, sorry. We'll pick, we'll I'm pick sending a little up. note. I'll see you guys next week. Thank okay, you, bye. Joanne. I love this slide. This is really what I want to dig into. Okay. Bye. Bye. Yeah. So anyway, 
I, I know we're probably over time, but this, yeah. you see the second line says type of innovation. Is it radical, improving, or routine? Ah, uh, okay. Which is why the ideas fall into a category and then you can keep, you know, you can keep slicing and dicing or parsing the data, not to suit your own purpose, but rather based on some very solid criteria from either market research or numbers that you have, like you see market potential. You never want to go with 10. You always want to go with some. Because that's going to, you know, hit the investors where it counts, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Or what's necessary versus what's complementary. Uh, how you do these. I have a bunch of this um, type stuff because we use it all the time, particularly with providers, startups. How are you going to do your road? Like, I always ask the question, who comes up with your roadmap? Like, why? Is it based on engineering or is it based on market acceptance? How are you doing your product market fit? There's got to be, you know, teeth to doing that. Otherwise, you end up in this uh, cyclical, uh, almost fail fast kind of idea. Boy, I we don't have time. <laughs> no, I know you're opening up a whole note. I put it on the calendar for two week, three weeks from now, I think, to to jump back into it. The fifteenth. Yeah, I can. It's the fourteenth. Yes, and and because I'm a nice human being, yeah. I will cleanse a few of these slides and send them to you. <gasps> Would you? And and can I can I repost them? uh that we'll talk about all right then no that's fine uh that's we we will um you know that's fine i'd love to see him though thank you we, reposting is not required all right well thank you yeah you're very welcome i would love to get y'all's feedback on my uh culture and innovation posts that i just put out yesterday i put a link in the chat cool i'll take a look <laughs> a nice title all right shark infested waters culture mm -hmm. and innovation excellent right on topic I'll, I'll include a link into the um show notes all right everybody i do i do need to drop off me too see y'all next week bye, bye. One of the things I find so fascinating about the Cloud 2030 group is that we can start with these deep technical concepts, pull concrete examples from both our personal experience and the market in general, and really learn how innovation comes about. In this case, I found it fascinating uh, how we really got tangled up by the word growth uh, and what growth means. It's one of those questions that I think we conflate uh, different meanings uh, about what growth means and what we, we want it to mean, especially when it comes to innovation, disruption, monetization, um, and product. So a fascinating conversation that we will pick up again, and I hope you can join us. You can find out our whole schedule and discussion list at the2030.cloud. Come by, take a listen, bring some questions. I'll see you there. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN. 
where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently, because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly, or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and you know laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.